Welcome to Monster Baby Podcast, everybody. This is a curious romp. Oh my god, it's a romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. That's right. My name is Lisa Rollins. Oh, well, thanks for introducing yourself. I'm Ted DeMaison. Yeah, and we are your hosts. And this week on the podcast, we are talking about speaking up. Speaking up, speaking out, raise your voice, lift your voice, and tell the people what you feel. Amen, hallelujah, Lord, my shepherd. Ted just came back from a month studying voice, Mm -hmm. and so that sort of inspired it, but the thing that I like about this conversation is that it moves from, rather, it has its inspiration in this idea of the, the physical process of creating voice and how getting that on your side means makes you more likely to speak up, but also sort of moving into metaphorical speaking up and mm-hmm. what ke- what keeps us quiet and what the insecurities are that keep us from saying things and how improv and mindfulness might offer antidotes to those sure. insecurities. Yeah, little, little lifelines to hold on to yeah. or supports. And it's also got this quality of, we talked about speech as a fundamental human activity, a way of being in the world and a human expression. I kind of think of like a songbird singing a little bit, you know, like we, we've got Babies our Babies come into the world and they cry. They do. They the take first that thing they do, in. they cry. Whoop. Yeah. Make noise. Well, right. Before, I think before they cry, they have to breathe. I think so too. In breath, air breath, because they've been a water creature. Yeah. In any case. So we're going to help you evolve from a water creature to a land creature. I think that's a big promise. <laughs> I think that's a, it's going a little far. We're just okay. going to talk about it. Maybe it won't be an, an evolutionary experience. And maybe you'll just like to hear about it okay. and connect to something that we If say. you happen to evolve into a new kind of creature, let us know. Info at monsterbabypodcast.com. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, enjoy the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be back with you. Listen on. One possibility would be to talk about speech. Speaking. Public speaking, speaking up, speaking out. Mm. The courage to give voice to whatever's on your mind. Finding words in a oh. given moment. Spontaneity. Speaking up. Yeah. Okay, it's time. Time to say something. Interesting. Are you ready to go? And, you know, how to how to mindfulness and improv play, play into that moment? And that feels fresh to me just because of my month. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot I've been thinking about. Super along interesting. Lines. You just listed many things, speaking up, having the courage to say something, public speaking, presentation, like so many, there's so, that, those are a lot of, so there's a whole what seems, family of concerns. What seems, well, so I'm just coming off this month of training with Patsy Rodenberg and my classmates. We went through a month last summer and a month this summer. And I went in thinking that I was going in for a presence training and got some of that, but really Patsy's a voice coach. Right, because you because the the powerful work you have gotten from her is second circle stuff. That's right, second circle presence and awareness, and she. Most people call her a voice and acting coach, and she now told us she's calling herself an acting coach very rarely, and she's more often calling herself a being coach. Oh, which I kind of like. Wow, that lines up with. Yeah with, yeah, with where I am. But for her, the, the vocal expression is the primary means of being, is a primary means of being in the world. And that when we are showing up in connection with other people, in connection with the world, we speak. 
we breathe in, our breath breathes in power and energy and vitality. We breathe out and we speak or we sing or we declare or we do something. And so getting... That vocal expression is a manifestation of power and presence. And humanness, exactly. Mm. And being. And so it's in that it's vulnerable and it's powerful and it's uh, exposed mm -hmm. it's creative it's got all these qualities to it and so that notion of speaking up learning to do so skillfully learning to do to do so on voice with clear expression clear pronunciation and challenging or acknowledging our habitual ways of speaking putting those to the side and letting something more natural flow through us super exciting to me mm -hmm. and Whenever one starts to play with that, it's true for me anyway, I start to see all the times in my life where I like, I want to speak up and I don't. Mm. I'm just hesitant. I'm like, I, I want people to like me or I don't want to come across as aggressive or whatever the hesitation is. Yeah. I don't want to cause trouble. Yeah. And then, so I don't speak up or I do. And like, what are the tools that give me the, the gumption to get in there. So what? So do you feel like the tools that give you the gumption to... Do you know what the tools are that give you the I, gumption to get in there? I now know more of them, yeah. And I think a lot of them come from mindfulness and improvisation. Mm -hmm. So that's part of why I was interested in yeah. exploring this topic with you. And I know that you teach speech skills and you have a very powerful speaking voice and presence when you're... And you're also courageous about calling people out on stuff, whether it's friends that you have something challenging to say or you know sometimes sometimes but sometimes you don't right yeah. but then you know or we're in a group meeting or something and there's like you know hey here's a question yeah you both are willing to do it and you're good at it even if you feel hesitant so yeah. i thought yeah let's be fun to fun thing to explore with lisa cool yeah cool that's the motivation great i love it i feel motivated i love it Okay, so we've got a topic. We've got a topic. We've got a podcat. Little Miss Marley is here. We've got a podcat in the lap. In my arm. We are at Ted's house. That's what that means. If Marley's here, we're at Ted's house. Yeah, it's foggy daily city. Summertime daily city. Super foggy. And uh, that's the way we roll. Yeah. Before getting specific about improv and mindfulness, because I do think of you as somebody who speaks up, is it something that you feel comfortable doing? Not always. Yeah. In fact, I, I feel like it's one of the things that I am constantly working on. I find myself not speaking up in tiny little ways, tiny little ways that it doesn't even feel like speaking up at the time, but there's just little ways that I decide not to say anything when I could in stupid, con stupid little social con maybe not stupid, maybe it's universal, maybe everybody does this, but when somebody makes a comment or references something in a way that suggests that I should know what it is mm -hmm. and I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. I don't always tell them I don't know what it mm -hmm. is. Or I pretend I understand something when I don't. Right. Or I pretend that I get what they're talking about when I don't. Or, I, you know, like mm -hmm. just these li little things that are like, why, do, why are you pretending? Right. It happens right all now. the time with speaking another language for me. It's like, uh -huh, oh, uh -huh, just nod my head like, yeah, yeah right? Uh -huh. yeah. Like, I have no clue what you're saying. But even, I don't know what yeah, you're saying. but in, in English. English. I mean, it's like where yeah. somebody references something or uses an acronym for something or a slang thing for something or yeah. just talks about a person that maybe they think that I know and I don't. Oh, speaking up when I don't remember somebody's name. So a lot of it is just mm. about sort of 
Not wanting to be exposed for not knowing. Yeah, I don't want to be exposed for not knowing stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I don't say anything. But so we're both on the bats board. And there's times when I don't understand Uh something. And I I have explicitly made a deal with myself to ask questions when there's some part of me that's certain that everybody else knows the answer. Right, because that because, that part of you is probably wrong. That part of you is probably wrong, and it's like, Lisa, you're in this room for a reason. Yeah, love it. Ask the... You get to understand what's going on just as much as anybody else, so ask the questions, even if you don't think anybody else has them. That's right. And it has never been the case that nobody else has them. Well, and even, the, even if it were the case, the explaining might provide some clarity or insight that wasn't there before. Yeah. I th- I th- that's interesting. That's one way that I actually do feel comfortable speaking up, and I almost always do when I don't understand something else. What do you? What does that acronym mean? Or yeah. can you tell me? That happened a lot this week. I'm sorry, this month in New York. Uh huh. Patsy might have been speaking and would reference some acting term that most of the other people in the group were actors and they knew. And I was like, can you help me out there. I don't know what that is. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. And so part of it is because a I want to know. I think that I also am doing it, B, to make space for other people who might not know, mm-hmm. recognizing I might not be the only person. And then C, and this is a little bit like convoluted. I don't know. Maybe it's manipulative or maybe it's strategic or both. But I want to make space for my confidence and for when I do know something that I can speak with authority by demonstrating, demonstrating that-, that I also don't know some things. Right. So it's like, I'm going to put my, I'm not going to lord my knowledge over you because I recognize I, there are things I don't know. So it makes it, I have sturdier ground to stand on when I feel like, I know I do know this. Yeah. That it's oh, not a, some big ego play. Right. Of like, oh, here's what I know. Right. But instead, yeah, I know some things and I don't know other things. Yeah. Right. But so the, the act of saying, Help me understand this. I don't. I don't get it. Or I don't know what you're talking about. Almost gives you. Well, th- it's almost th- like people can trust you exactly. when you do know a thing th- because they know that you'll tell them when you don't know a That's thing. That's right. I think of it as. That's interesting. Providing a more three dimensional humanity, right? Like it just, I'm a real person. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know where I learned that. I feel like maybe I just decided to start doing that somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. Do you see your improv training as helping you speak up in real life? Yes. Totally. Okay. How so? I think for, for the, the two things come to mind specifically. One of them is be obvious. So there's a, a rule in improvisation, be obvious. You don't have to come up with the best idea or the most unusual idea or the most quote unquote creative idea or the most unexpected idea. Like the, the most obvious thing is probably the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, so dare to be obvious. Allow yourself to be obvious. So that's one thing. And number two thing is... There's something about sort of saying what you see or or practicing the skill of, well, maybe it falls under be obvious, but it's, I mean, I guess there's a way in which improvisation, because it's performance, makes me not afraid to say things in front of people. Mm-hmm. And also, there is a way in which being in improv shows gives me a chance to practice being wrong and being okay. Mm-hmm. So sort of, you're allowed to take the risk of saying a thing and maybe it's not the right thing, but as long as you're sort of okay with it, everybody else is too. Yep. And so being willing to to be the wrong one, like it's okay with me if yeah. I say something and it's not quite right or it gets perceived as a dumb question or it's a, you know, yep. 
And there, and that there's power that an audience really likes it when you say what's going on, <laughs> when you just say what is true, what right. is happening. And so it sort of hones that skill of just being like, well, this seems like what's happening. This is what I notice happening right yeah. now. And, and so I think those things make, make me more likely to speak up. I've seen you do that thing. I've seen that dynamic play out in scenes where sometimes we'll have like some convoluted story that's got all these moving pieces and you or somebody else on stage will say, so let me see if I get this. Let me get this straight. Let me see if I understand this. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of lay out what are all the elements of the story we're telling yeah. so that we can understand it. But it's like such a gift to the audience. You can get on the same page. But to be willing to do that. Yeah. and Yeah. 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 And I feel like the, practicing those things in the context of scenes is really helpful in conversations. Right. And a lot of it, I realize now that I'm talking about it, most of the time, no, I'll, I won't say most of the times, but the times when I'm most aware of my, of stifling my own voice is when I fear that I'll look dumb. Mm -hmm. I think I stifle mine for fear of sounding selfish mm -hmm. or what's the word? Domineering. Mm -hmm. Like I really don't want to be, I don't want to come across, I don't want to be that guy. I just won't say this. I'll let this go. Yeah. Yeah. I guess another time I stifle myself is when I, like the times when I think to myself, I'm just going to let this go, is when <laughs> I don't want to get in a fight. Mm -hmm. yep. And you're not going to change. So you value the harmony over the... I value harmony. The clarity or the correctness or something. Yes. That or making sense. sure you know what my opinion is on this. I'm like, right. you don't need to... Or I'll say my opinion and if, and if my conversation partner, whoever it is at the time... Is, is so looking to argue about it. Ass. I'll be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I just, right? I don't need you to seem, I don't, I don't need to go down mm -hmm. that road. Because it's very uncomfortable for me. <laughs> My inclination in classes when I was growing up and in conversations is I, I want to take part. Mm -hmm. I've got lots of things to say. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'll have an opinion. Yeah. And I've had to really work. I think I did it most when I was in college and taking feminist studies classes was like leave space for other people. Yeah. Not just because it's fair, but because other people have wisdom that will help you. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, you've got this great idea, which maybe it is a great idea that you can share and everybody will be impressed by. Yeah. At the same time, I want everybody to be that bold. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about improv too, is like the training of... Get in there. Get in there. Take a step. Get your voice in and yeah. don't make me wait for you to get in. Yeah. Or don't make me leave space for you to get in. Yeah. Claim it. Yeah. And so that's another thing that I love about Patsy Rodenberg's work too is when we start to practice having our body aligned with the ground and we have our breath supported by the body and then all of a sudden our voice is supported by our breath and we speak the words like, oh, this is fun. And so people who were shy about speaking up all of a sudden now have this impetus. Interesting. To, and and uh, sturdiness for saying, I've got something to say. Yeah. And now their voice comes in and like, okay, here I we go. A, I have a question though. How, so is it is it the body that, there just seems to be more in it than, there's so many issues for why people don't speak, why people are shy. Yes. So, so many things. Right. So... Tell me about how I, I aligning think, your body makes you not shy. Great question. I don't know that it. I don't know that it makes you not shy, but it makes you more able to handle your shyness. Uh huh. 
right? So it's the shyness is a, usually, as we've been talking a little bit, I don't want to be seen. Mm-hmm. There's something I'm afraid of the vulnerability of putting myself out there. People won't like me or they'll judge me or something, right? Yeah. I'll get left out. I'll be socially ostracized. I'll make a mistake. So if that's the concern, that's in Patsy's language, first circle. I'm going to turn my energy inward. I'll just hide. Nobody will notice. I won't cause any ripples or make any waves. And so when you put your body into a second circle posture and you get your breath moving in a second circle way, that is about being present with yourself and connecting. Mm -hmm. And it has a natural impulse to want to connect. Mm -hmm. And so if you put your body in that position long enough and you breathe that way long enough, I think it does... I don't know if override is the right word, but it's like it a retrains or like, that. yeah, I guess know. it shifts your experience of other people. Yeah. And, and they, the, they go from being a threat to being possibilities. That's right. They go uh, curiosity. Who is this person? What yeah. can they show me? And there's something that I'm getting out of that. That's greater than the fear that something might go wrong. Yeah. Right. And then, so it's not that the person's not shy, but it's like they can feel their fear and then act anyway, mm-hmm. and then see the results that happen. And usually, those results are good, connective, and expansive, and, and empowering. Empowering, yeah. Like, oh, well, actually, when I spoke up, they understood what I had to say. Yeah, they understood what I wanted. Right. Sometimes the person gets shot down, but then they realize, oh, I don't want to be in an environment where I get shot down when I speak up. Mm-hmm. So they find a new place that's more supportive. It's it's a realignment in the brain and in the body and in the way of being that like it has all these ripples because it makes you see more clearly. Yeah. Right. And I was thinking when you were talking about uh, naming things, speaking up to name things that improv helps you do that, right? Be obvious. That sounds like a mindfulness practice too. Mm-hmm. What's really true. Yeah. Right. And so to be the, not the watchdog, what's the, the person who speaks up? The whistleblower. Mm-hmm. To be a whistleblower and be like, hey, this is happening. Yeah. And to be able to stand in courage of like, I know I might have consequences for saying this, but it needs to be said. Yeah. So I will do it. Right. That There's a mindful courage in that of like, I just got to name what's really going on. Yeah. You're mistreating me or you're embezzling funds or you're sleeping with the partner you shouldn't be sleeping with. Right. Right. Who's going to say it? Are we all going to just kind of hide in this fog of social propriety, self delusion, right? Social propriety. Yeah. Sure. Call it what you will. <laughs> <laughs> they go together. I mean, there are reasons not to speak up. Sure. Sometimes. Like? No, no. I think when somebody has demonstrated that they will cause physical harm for your speaking up, that would be a time. Okay. Here's, here's another one. This came, this was very interesting, Mm. very interesting question. Yeah. Super hard for me, super challenging for me. When I was teaching this summer and we were getting feedback, one of the things that Patsy Rodenberg said to me was, was she challenged me on my use of humor. I like to make jokes when I'm teaching. Have we talked about this? No. Okay. And she was like, when you do that, A, you often are undermining your colleague who's speaking because you're turning the attention to you. And it's like you're looking for attention. You're mm. looking for approval from the group. 
Or you might be diffusing some tension that has been built up. And that might be because you're uncomfortable with it, but the tension is actually useful for the class's learning. So I just want you to think about your use of humor. Interesting. Very interesting. And so for a while, that happened in like after a week and a half that came up. And for like the next week and a half, I felt totally shut down. I was like, I felt muted because there were so many times where I saw something funny or I wanted to do something playful or I wanted to contribute. And it was a great question to ask of like, is this humor that I would put in going to add to what's going on or is it going to take away from it? Is it about uplifting the group or is it about having the group look at me and say, hey, I'm funny? Yeah. What did you find? Like, what, was your, what were your findings from that observation? I found that there are often times where I'm doing, I'm making a joke to be, to be the center of attention, right? It's been too long since I've been the center of attention. Oh, you want to get some attention back on you. Yeah. And there are also times where I'm being funny to purposely build the group's connection through laughter. That laughter does something that thought doesn't. Yeah. Right. And so there's a way that being playful can create a cohesion. But the the real thing I came to, like for me, it's about balance. Yeah. And so I want to be able to go into serious moments and have that gravitas and that building tension and have humor and then go back. And then it's like breathing and that sharing them back and forth. It doesn't mean that the humor completely deflates the tension. And now we go all the way back to square one. No. It's like a moment of respite. And then we breathe in. And now more gravitas and depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we laugh. And the laugh is like the exhale. And it, and it allows us to go back in. That's right. So that's my ideal. But I th- it was like, okay, fair enough. That's a great challenge. But so there were lots of times where it was like, I have the impulse to speak. Nope, don't do it. Yeah. Just hold on. So is that necessarily... That's great. What a cool thing. And especially coming out of our rapport with teaching so when you and i teach we're just going back and forth all the time right and we're making jokes and sometimes i think we make jokes on top of each other like yeah we drain a little bit of the energy out of what the other person's trying to build but more often it's building yeah like the humor is is relevant and and she did say that too if the humor is on target if it's making the thing come more alive great but if you're bringing in something else that's when it is deflating or deflecting. Huh. So anyway, that's a a new category for me of like, "Mm, maybe I'm not going to speak up now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is that? There's a list of questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it helpful? Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said? Are those... That sounds like right speech from Buddhism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So something may occur to you that you don't say because it's not one of those things. Right. I can think of a couple times where I've known people in relationships... And I'm like, I have some concerns. Mm. And what I have learned is that if you tell your friends that you don't think their relationship is good, you will lose that friend if they're not asking for it. That is such a huge question. You know? Yes. And and there's ways to sort of open the door for like, I'm going to sort of float something and see if you want to talk more about it. And if you don't, I'm not going to, I'm going to go there. Right. Because you're not asking and if you get the sense that I disapprove somehow of the relationship that you're in, I'm the one who's on the outside, not your partner. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. I've had situations where I've 
seeing the connection, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. I don't and know. That's yeah, trouble. Right. right. And I've chosen not to say something. And then, of course, that trouble emerged. Yeah. And I was like, ah, would it have but been better? would they have heard it I from you know. at the time if you'd said it? I like, it's, you, we can't know, right? I don't know. But I did come away saying, I if I was ever in a relationship like that, and one of my dear friends had that kind of concern, I would... I would want to know. Plead for them to say it. Yeah. To say it not in a declaration like, this is fact kind of way, but to explore it with curiosity and say, yes. this is what I see... Help me understand. And I want to check in with you about it. Yeah. Yes. I'd be totally game for that. Yeah. I mean, me too. Me too. Now, if it came from <laughs> from certain people, I might not be able to hear it. Yeah. Right. There's certain members of my family, but no, no, no. No. I'm good. Not interested in your opinion. Don't Thank you. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And other members of my family will be like, please. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. Your family's all listening, wondering which one I, they are. I know exactly. Yes. I'm not saying... I think they know. <laughs> I don't know that my family listens, but if you do, hi, Jen. Hi, <laughs> hi Mom. Hi, Dad. Hi, Patty. Andrew, Tyler. The whole the whole crowd. The whole clan. Yeah. Speaking of which, Andrew Blair, happy birthday today if you're listening. Oh, happy birthday, Andrew Blair. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Anything else coming to mind for you? Well, here's another thing that that is coming to mind, which is just an interesting piece. So I work a lot with a company called Speech Skills. We do communication skills trainings, yes. day-long workshops where we go over various sort of non-verbal communication skills. So we're not talking about how to put together an argument. We are talking about things. We're talking about behaviors, mm-hmm. posture, volume, articulation, pace, eye contact, those things. Do what, you talk about breath at all? We talk about volume and we talk about how breath breath and the and breath support is necessary for that, okay. but we don't talk... I, I wouldn't say we talk about breath. Okay, yeah. But the thing that I find really interesting is that is that over and over again, usually with women, usually this comes up with women, their volume is too low, and I find that vo- increasing volume is psychologically the hardest skill to work on. Volume and eye contact. Making, mm-hmm. uh, making longer eye contact and speaking up. Mm-hmm. And I think both of them come down to the same thing, which is really being seen and heard. Mm. And they are, and people are far more comfortable not really being seen and heard. Right. And I think there's loads of messaging specifically for women about not taking up too much space mm-hmm. and not being overpowering and not being too dominant. And therefore, it sends them running to this much safer zone of fine volume. Mm-hmm. But is, not... This is very familiar to me. But also. not strong volume. Right. Yeah. And that when and that when I get them up to a good volume, they say, I am shouting. That's what it feels like. I'm right. shouting. And everyone in the room is like, No, you sound great. Yeah. We can hear you easily now. This is great. But it's <clears throat> it can reduce people to tears sometimes because it sure. feels so threatening to the to, it feels in violation of some of some important social norm. And I think eye contact is the same because it when you look at somebody in the eye for an intentionally longer period of time than you're comfortable with, it feels like, oh God, I've really been seen. They really see me. Mm-hmm. And that can, that can feel vulnerable. Yes. So those two things are the, but, but volume I find, is it just a very, sometimes it, it gets to a point where they feel like they physically can't get any louder. And I'm like, girl, I know you've got it's in there. the anatomy to do this. Yep. 
It's just the conditioning is so strong about where you belong and how much space you deserve in this room that it's so hard to wrap your mind around maybe getting louder. This was one of the things that I really learned this month was that that question is so often a matter of breath. And so if somebody isn't getting their breath low into their body, they, they may not be able to get the volume that they need. Right. Or if they do, they're going to be straining and pushing, and that's going to create a quality in their voice that's actually unpleasant. Yes. And so it will push people away. They'll be audible, but they're not going to be warm. Right. You know, or welcoming. Or grounded. Or grounded. But we exactly. talk about that. Mm-hmm. We talk about raising volume without raising pitch and accessing resonance and engaging your diaphragm yeah, and cool. getting a full belly of breath, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where the volume comes from. But the same thing was true for me. And so it's interesting that you're talking about this dynamic with women. I think I've had it for different reasons, not because I didn't think I had a right to be powerful, but it was like I didn't want to come across I don't as want to be too one of those powerful. Guys. I don't want to be one of those guys. And so we would be doing a, an exercise. I'd be speaking a sonnet, right? And the group, and Patsy would say, you can project to the other side of the room. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. You know? Let us have it. Let us have it. And I, th- I like you said, I'm like, really? This isn't yelling? This doesn't sound like I'm dominating the room to you? Yeah. Like, no, you just sound clear. You just sound clear. We can just easily hear you now. And people said, and we can trust you more. Mm. Because... When you're holding back, we wonder what you're holding back for. Totally. And so now that you're actually here, and and so this is a dynamic. I get this connection. Totally. And we have this in our podcast. Uh So when I go back to engineer the the recording, oftentimes I'm lifting me up volume-wise so that we're more even. And I think, why is that? Why don't I speak? Is it because it is harder work or is it I'm afraid of? being loud or it just doesn't sound right to me or I'm have a sensitive ear so I don't want to hear the loud I don't whatever. But I'm learning to speak up like these women are that yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. It's cool. And I, I love too the notion of we talked a lot about going through to the ends of your words. Yeah. That so many people trail off on the ends of their sentences. Yeah, right. They and they just lose energy and then swallow. Yeah. Rather than saying what needs to be said, going all the way to the end with the consonant. Yeah. And it's, I just love it when people go all the way through their they thought. Stick the landing. Boom. I know. I have to talk, I have to say, because the, the way that I, that I find it happening, we might be getting into weeds here for our listeners out Dude, there. Dude, we're getting into weeds. Oh, but no, the, the thing that I notice is they sort of get the main point of their idea across and then they kind of continue on, but it's a little bit of a, like they hadn't quite figured out what they were going to say. And so it's down here. And then they start again, and they and they get the main point of their idea across, and then sort of something occurs to them, and they and they drop it down here like this, like it's a sort of an afterthought, and this is like the vocal manifestation of it being an afterthought. And I'm like, you are talking or you're not. So yeah. if, if the thing you're saying is something that you don't actually think should be said, don't say don't it. Don't say it. But if it is something you're saying, you better say it so we can I hear love it. it. Like you're talking. There's no you can't. There's no middle ground on that you can't yeah. say a thing halfway by making it real quiet that does nobody any but any favors right and this this is where speech becomes a continuity of practice for me for mindfulness mm-hmm. is like oh yeah are you on or are you not are you there or are you not where's your attention if you want to say this say it get in get out and then when you're done listen yeah right I, it's so 
When you say speech is a continuity of practice, what do you mean? So, okay, by continuity of practice, I mean oftentimes people think of mindfulness as like, oh, I'm doing my mindfulness practice, I'm sitting down to meditate. And then it's done. And then it's done. And ah. then I go through my day, right? But it's can you bring that same intention and attention of sitting quietly, noticing breath or noticing thoughts to each moment or not each moment, as many moments during the day as you can. Yeah. So now I'm washing the dishes. Now I'm petting the cat. Now I'm walking to Trader Joe's, whatever it is, to weave it throughout. So speech then becomes part of that without getting into the hyper awareness that we've talked about on the podcast of like, I'm monitoring everything. But just, no, I'm going to choose to speak now. Mm-hmm. And I will say my thing. I'll say my thing. I'll I will say as much as I need to say and no more. I'll follow it through to the end. Yeah. I will leave my suspension. Like so It's also connected to breathing, right? So inhale, there's this little moment of suspension after the inhale. And exhale, and here come my words. Yeah. Right? And so linking speech to the breath. Like that breath is always coming in and out. Yeah. Is the speech doing the same thing? Are they in rhythm and harmony? And so that it becomes part of this whole daily practice. Yeah. And then there are times, there are days where like, no, I'm quiet all day. So speech isn't part of the practice. But then when I get a phone call or go talk to somebody in line at the grocery store, can that be part of the practice? Yeah. Right. And it was a really interesting question we had, like, okay, so we're training to be voice coaches, voice teachers. Do we need to always be on our voice when we're in the world? Or is it okay to mumble every now and then? really interesting question, right? So part of it is if I'm going to be presenting myself as someone who works with other people on their voice, I need to be doing mine better as a demonstration and an attractor. And, but when I come home and I just want to chill out with my buddies, can I just relax? Yeah, maybe. But not relaxing and staying on my voice would help build that muscle for being in the world. Well, it would make it habitual. Exactly. So that you don't feel like you're on. I mean, I think you can't that's go right. through life feeling like you're on. But if you practice really excellent articulation, that's going to be cut the that's going to become the way you talk. Yeah, and and I, I like this distinction you're making because oftentimes people think doing voice work means putting something on. Yeah. And in fact, it's clearing out the habits that we've developed, the habits It's just changing your habits. Right. Yeah. But most of the habits we've developed around voice are ones of tension and restriction. So you clear those out and then something natural mm -hmm. comes through. Yeah. And then it's much easier to speak. Yeah. But since I've been doing this work this last couple of years, I like my voice a lot better. Mm -hmm. I liked my voice before. It was fine. But it's got, there are times when I'm speaking, I'm like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. <laughs> I've got, I've got more range than I used you to have. You get distracted I, by how nice like, your own right. voice is. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, okay, get over yourself. All but right. it's really fun, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and then there's that notion of range too. Like, do you have the full range of your expression giving you access to the full range of your emotions? Yeah. Right, so it's, you're talking about resonance. Like, what's the high part of your voice? What's the low part? Can you use all of them and still be on voice without? So cool. Yeah. So it's cool. deep. It's deep. It's deep. What does mindfulness say about speaking up? We haven't really talked about that. Like, how does mindfulness help you? Well, as, as you mentioned, I think partly it helps in seeing what's there to be noticed. And I think also that a mindfulness practice helps us find words that are more 
I was going to say more appropriate, but maybe that's not it. It's that they're less threatening. So if I can name what's happening rather than blame, blaming or putting all my assumptions of interpretation, running up the ladder of inference yeah. or meaning, racing along with a storytelling mind, that's the stuff that tends to trigger other people and create resistance and hostility. Whereas if it's just naming behavior or factual description, yeah, then it's much easier to say, to be curious, right? Mm-hmm. So like, here's what's true. I'm noticing this dynamic between the two of us and it's having this impact on how I experience the relationship. What do we want to do about that? Is much less threatening than, or, and more accessible than saying... You're doing this You're thing. You're doing this to me. And it's it. making me feel this way. Yeah, right. And so that's a lot of not the nonviolent communication or NVC has a lot to say about that, a lot to teach about that. But I think that comes out of a mindfulness practice of being able to name things and not get pulled into the story, into the, into the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's like these skills In of a being way, able to observe cleanly. Staying clean, I like that phrase. Yeah. It just makes it so much easier because like, yeah, I can speak up because I know I'm not going to throw crap on other well, people. Well, so that so that's interesting because what what you're talking about is the way I'm hearing it <laughs> is that is that mindfulness helps you speak up in that it helps you be heard. Because if you show up with blame, it shuts people down. And if you show up, like it, it helps you have productive conversations. Yes. Like it helps what you're, it helps you f- speak what is true in a way that allows other people to connect to it. Yep. It's interesting to think about where those two things are the same and where they're not. Which are the two things? Speaking and being heard. Oh, right. Right, because some people are like, I'm just going to speak up, and it doesn't matter whether like the point is to get my voice out. I know people who speak up and 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 make everyone defensive around them. Yeah, so this is a, a, a they got no problem speaking up though. Right. <laughs> yeah, and this is a place where I think mindfulness makes a big difference in speaking up effectively. Right. So it's one could be reactive in one speaking up, or one could be resourceful. Right. What are my options? I want to create more possibility through my words. Rather than, I mean, I suppose there's times to not, to shut possibility down. That might be the right thing. Mm-hmm. But like leading to a range of choices. And well, I just want other, I, I, I don't want to alienate people in this conversation, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there may be a time where you have to risk alienation and just a declaration needs to be made. Yeah. So that's one way. Yeah. I think of it. But it, it's like those skills that we've developed through that practice I show up in so many different ways. I think there's also, I think so often the thing that, well, speaking from my experience and, and knowing that the thing that makes me not speak up is feeling like I should know a thing mm-hmm. or, or trying to read the social dynamics in the room and manage those and my saying it, you know... Or try to prove my fitness for being here or something like that. Yeah. And those are the examples that are coming to mind. Those are the instances that are coming to mind. But I think the other thing that mindfulness does is is separate our experience from ourself. So it makes it less painful to say, this is a thing that I don't understand. Because it's not... 
it, it's not accompanied by because I'm dumb or because I should nice. or because like it takes away some of the shoulds from the conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a lot of what mindfulness is. The, the mindful yeah. approach is it's not about should. It's about what is. And so saying, I don't understand this. I'm not sure what that is. Mm-hmm. St- stops short of reflecting on me as a person. Yeah. It's just that's just what's true right Lovely. now, whether you believe I have reason to know what that is or not. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's just where we are. So let me know, you know, or this doesn't seem fair. This is my perception of yeah. this situation. That's just what it is. The less tightly wound that ball of identity is, the more spaciousness there is to just be present. Allow your, yeah. yeah. And, and, and detach from the outcome of what you say. I love it. That feels really powerful, too. That makes sense, yeah. That's a really great insight. Yeah. There, there were so many times during the summer program yeah. where I wanted to speak up and did not. You know, it, After the humor conversation? or That and who has the authority in the room. Yeah. Right? There's part of it. Sometimes I might disagree with something that Patsy was doing or a structure or a sequence and I, or I wanted things to be different. I'm a teacher. I know how it should be, and you know. And sometimes it's like, dude, get over yourself. You yeah. don't like just let yourself be taught. Right. You don't have to always be in charge. You don't have to always control. And certainly, like there's times. And sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so there's that, and there's also the kind of like, well, she's an authority. She knows what she's talking about. Just you know, kind of submit. And then there were other times I thought, ah, but it really. Your voice could have made a difference. And just because you're trying to let go of control doesn't mean that you should give up all control. That was a really big insight for me. Like, okay, if I'm going to you know, try to make space for other people, doesn't mean I need to never speak. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You get your share of the time just like they share. do. That's right. You don't get their share of the time. Yeah. But you get your share of the time. And that may mean challenging the instructor. Yeah. Or at least questioning or raising a curiosity or And so there was a there was we had a bit of kerfuffle at one point during the program where there's some hurt feelings and some stuff happened with choices that we had made anyway. And we eventually had this kind of sit down like all right Patsy came in one morning and said, sounds like we need to talk about a few things. Great. And so we did. Yeah. And I was able to voice something that was a little bit pointed, raised a concern I had with her, and she heard it fine. You know, mm-hmm. But it felt good to finally raise that because I'd been sitting on it mm-hmm. and mulling it over, trying to do that. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Like I'm trying to work through how do I say it in a way that is all those things. Yeah. Does it need to be said? I don't know yet. Yeah. But eventually I did and it felt good. Yeah. But uh, the the whole authority thing of like, this person knows what they're doing. Just let them do it. I know that a lot of people go through a lot of trouble because they believe that to be true. Mm -hmm. Right. They won't speak up because somebody is supposed to know. Mm -hmm. The person in charge is supposed to know. They would know, wouldn't they? They wouldn't do that wrong thing, would they? Right. They wouldn't be misguided, would they? Yeah. So it, it made me, I left feeling like I want to find ways when I'm teaching to make it even more explicit to my students. If something feels weird or off to you, 
please voice it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when they do to like celebrate it as yeah. opposed to getting defensive. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah. 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 Which is really hard to do. Really right. hard to not get defensive. But even if I wildly disagree with what they're saying, to thank them for it. Mm-hmm. Yeesh. Yeah. You know. But I left wanting to do that in my classes. Mm-hmm. Like, no, tell me. Tell me what's wrong. Something's wrong. I know something's wrong. And yes, right. When there's something wrong, but it, but like you're talking about that, and and it's like there are times when it's like you may disagree with how she's doing this, and yeah. that's the way it is. We don't need to hear about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like if I, if I have students who suggest other ways to do to do games or exercises, it's like it's not that that may not be a valid way. I'm doing it this way. I, yeah. I, let me teach this class. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not, and it's not because, no, I've already thought about it at all and I've chosen the best way. It's because this is, I have, am creating an experience right now. Right? right. So there's, there's times when <coughs> it's a little, it can be disrespectful and disruptive. Mm-hmm. Right. So speaking up is different than just saying the shit that comes to mind. Speaking up is not necessarily blurting out. Yeah. Speaking up is different than like, well, I have this thought about a thing. Everyone should hear my thought about this thing. Yeah. That is not the, it's not the same thing. Right. There's, there are appropriate times to speak up and there are appropriate times to be like, I have an opinion about this and nobody needs to hear it. It's not the time. <laughs> no, no one wants it. It's not, it's not helpful. Yeah. And when, when, and so that's interesting, figuring out where that line is for a person, for, for me mm-hmm. of like, okay, so when do people, when is it that, no, I, I do need to say my opinion about this. There is something at stake here, and it's important that I speak up. That so that question of when when to speak up, when not to speak up, yeah, is an internal muscle that I feel like I have practiced through improv. Mm-hmm. Like, is it my time to come on stage now, or not? Yeah, am I needed? Am I needed or not? Yeah. And to trust those impulses in the body. Oh, my body's leaning forward. I'm going to go. Yeah. Yes, we're on. Right. Or. I'm not feeling much. I have a thought, but not much else congruent. I don't have a lot of impulse to get in there. And and it's funny now that I say that. That also for me traces back to my experience in Quaker meeting, right? So in Quaker meeting, everybody's sitting in silence, and you speak when you feel moved to speak. And for many people, that was when they started shaking. I knew when it was time for me to speak in Quaker meeting because my heart would be pounding. Mm-hmm. Other times, it'd be like, no, my mind was moving. But it's not my turn. It's not not my my time right now. Like, oh, no, this needs to be said. Yeah. So I guess I I answered that question through that Quaker practice and through that improv training of step out on stage. Mm -hmm. And then when the time comes to do so more boldly, rather than like, um, you know, excuse me, I kind of have a thing to say. Right. It's like, no, I'll take my breath. You're talking or you're not. And here we go. Yeah. That's right. right. Now is the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. But that's, it's that big question that, that as you were saying, from Buddhist right speech, that, that's one of the folds in the eightfold path uh-huh. to end suffering is to, to be mindful with your speech. Yeah. Words matter big time. Is it true? Is it kind? Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said now? Yeah. Does it need to be said now? It could be said later. Yeah. But it needs to be said. It's true. It's kind. It needs to be said, but it does need to be said right now. Yeah. Now's not the time. And that also plays into that improv principle of make your partner look good. Yeah. Make the teacher look good. Yeah. You don't need to show them up. Right. 
They don't need to undress that, to lower think, their status in I front think of everybody. Th- this, this, I'm just noticing, has a little connection with our previous conversation about our Facebook fast. Mm. Say more. Well, looking at why am I posting? Mm. Right? If we're talking about speaking, sort of mm-hmm. putting words out into the into the world, and it feels like our world is filled with noise. And that we're less and less comfortable being silent. And and we're doing this sort of like megaphoning our existence out there. And why? What do we... Mm-hmm. What is the reason behind wanting to make a post? Or post a picture or post a thing. Whatever it yeah. is. What, what, what's, the, what's the motivation there? And it feels like the same thing with talking in class, making a point. Is the point simply... Be, like... like I'm an external processor. My filters are pretty weak. And so if something occurs to me, I'm very likely to say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so my job generally, it, w- w- right, w- this is separate from those contexts where I feel like I've got to sit on sit on my thought because it might not be accepted or something. But like a lot of the times when something sort of occurs to me, I experience it best out loud. Would you say your filters are weak or they're low? They're underemployed. Yeah, the, Im- like, the image I had was like... It's not that I don't sc- have control. It's just that like, if there's a screen, the holes are pretty big. Right, okay, so yeah, the, the, the screen image came to mind. Yeah. So you're saying the holes of the screen are pretty big. I was thinking that the screen was just down. I don't know that I experience a meaningful difference Okay. between those two yeah. things. Okay. I don't think it's just down. There's some things I don't say. Mm-hmm. Every, it's not everything. Yeah. But... But I, I think that that put, puts it well. I best experience my thoughts out loud. Right. So, so if something occurs to me, I'm sort of like, let's try it out. Let's throw it out there. See what happens. And, and that Facebook analogy is uh, spot on. Yeah. Like, like why, why am I saying this? Why? And in <laughs> class, when I have a funny thought about something or, a, or when I'm part of a group and I have a funny commentary, there's times when it's like, yeah, this is funny. This would make the people laugh around, around you laugh and that would be fun. And there's something else happening right now. Mm-hmm. That's what Patsy was calling me on. It's yeah. not about you right now. Something else is going on. Mm-hmm. Let that thing happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, any 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 pre outro things you want to toss in here? But I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I, this, okay. Well, so I just think it's. I think it's another of these topics, and I love the way that <laughs> this podcast can do this. That we can sort of take anything and play with it through these lenses and see that the the tools and the practices of mindfulness and improvisation help us live a better life. Yeah. You know, and so like this question of when to speak up, when not to, well, let me go to those tools. Yeah, let's go to the Gospels. <laughs> what do they say? Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, chapter four. Yeah. What's in there about Verse that? Verse 36. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just... Oh, yeah, be obvious. Be obvious, there it is. Yeah. Say what's happening. Okay, great. Ask yourself if it needs to be said. And Lisa said unto them... <laughs> Oh, this is getting weird. (laughs) You don't want the gospel of Lisa? I don't want it. Hmm. Do you know what the word gospel means? No. It means good news. In what language? Um, It's got to be like Greek. Gospel. Yeah. So it's like the four gospels. Like, hey, here's the good news about Jesus. Here's the good news. Let me tell you about It's not been good news for everybody. No. No. But the, the first evangelists thought it was good news. Sure. You know, hey, dude, resurrected. Good news. Given eternal life. Good news, everyone. That's good news. We yes. got eternal life. Yes. Sins are forgiven. Right. I mean. Pretty well, great. That's awesome. Yeah. Go ahead. Sin all you want. They'll be forgiven. Yeah. Good news. Anyway. 
You're right. It's a little more complex than that now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm re- so I just have to say, it. speaking of that, I'm reading a one. I just am almost done. Maybe I finished it. You don't know if you finished it. I love this. I forget. I'm at the very end of it or it's done. I think I finished it. It's called The Long Ships. And Ship. it's in ships. Like boats. Like boats. Okay. And it's about, it's an epic Viking saga mm. over the lifetime of a, of a one this one character named Orm the Red. Orm. Yeah. And it's so fun. And it's right at this place where the Vikings are getting Christianized. So priests are going into the heathen Northlands sure. and trying to get convince them to get baptized and, you know, love Jesus and God. And the thing that cracks me up about it is that the Vikings are like, mm, well, how much will you pay me? <laughs> like, how much silver is in it for me? If I uh, if I get if I let you baptize me, and they're like uh, twenty pieces, and they're like okay, it's <laughs> very it's very pragmatic. Yeah. Like, what am I going to get out of this? Does this make sense for wow. me? Yeah, it's great. Doesn't sound like Orm was really changing his belief structure. Actually, Orm ended up changing his belief structure because his li- his he got his life got luckier after he got oh. baptized, and so he was like, oh no, God's the way to go, and it made him less violent, like a little bit. Oh, well, and Jesus would like that. Yeah, I think Jesus would like that. Okay, Orm, thanks for the insights. It's a great, it's a great book. What's it called? The Long Ships. The Long Ships. The Long Ships. Okay. Uh, and there you have it. We're going to end on that Viking note. All right, go, go get it. It's pretty fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, well, hey, great to great to be with you again. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Adios. folks thanks so much for thanks so much for listening that was it that was it i mean it's it's in conclusion it's done it's a wrap we've said everything there is to say it's in the can how do you feel about it i am fascinated by the way that as we mentioned at the end there that these tools just they they're like universally applicable mm-hmm. and i feel like whatever corner of my life i decide to explore or investigate that shining these lenses on it brings new insights. Yeah. And I guess that's why we're doing the podcast. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> right. great affirmation there. It's, it's good news. Gospel. Gospel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like that. And um, it also felt fresh to explore this. And, and so I appreciated the, I appreciate the opportunity to digest a little bit of my experience this past month being mm-hmm. in New York City and thinking about speech and when to speak up, when not to speak up, and challenging authority or not. And it's just helpful to, it's always helpful to kind of go through and give that some more consideration. Yeah. And I like also that we're we're in process on this, right? So I think of us both as people who speak up and speak pretty well. In general, we're, we're effective public presenters. Sure. We're both courageous, both willing to say things that are difficult and generally pretty skillful about saying them, and to recognize... Yep, and we're both still working on it. Yeah. So that, that feels good, too. I like Big that. Big time. How about you? Oh, I think I, in some ways I feel like this this podcast is is going to serve 
me as an opportunity to start looking at when I speak up and when I don't speak up. Mm. To get to get clear on what's going on for me when I don't say something that I have an impulse to say mm-hmm. and which ones of those are helpful and which ones are not. A little invitation to some continuity of practice, perhaps. Some continuity of practice. There you yeah. go. Yeah, exactly. But I like how I, I, I thought we got to some cool stuff and I love that. What is it? The Buddhist rules for talking? Right speech. I think that's pretty yeah, much it's kind of kind of <laughs> Buddhist rules for talking. Right speech. That is a nice thing to be reminded of also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah. Well, listeners, if you were moved or inspired and you want to speak up, whoa. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Info at monsterbabypodcast.com. And you could record a little voice message and send it that way. We'd, we'd cl- be glad to hear your voice. Yeah. And that reminds me that at some point, Lisa Rowland, I want to set up like a voice, a, a call-in yeah. line where people could leave us a question and then yeah. we could put their voice on the podcast. Or we could just have them call while we're or even recording. While we're recording. just sit here and wait, wait yeah. for people to call. So stay tuned for more information on that, people. Pretty fun. We'd love to get that to you. Okay. Uh, but in any case, yeah, info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Yeah, thanks reach for out. listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Great to be back with you, and uh, hope your summer has gone well. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. On to the great uh, Viking void. On to the great beyond. What is the Viking void? The ocean? No, Asgard. What's the... Is Asgard? Asgard, I think, is like the world where people live. That's our plane, isn't, isn't no, it? No, Asgard's where the, the gods, the gods live? live. Oh, okay. Valhalla. It's where you go after you're dead. In any case, I don't. Ho- I hope that you don't go to Valhalla, but just go someplace nice that the Vikings would approve of, yeah. and, and you might meet Orm. I don't think that Vikings are who we should take our lead from. I mean, they were pretty barbaric. I'm going to speak approach. up right now and say I, that's what I'm wishing for people. Okay, fair enough. The blessings of the Viking lifestyle. And I'm just going to make my voice heard also, which is that uh-huh. there's plenty of complication around a Viking lifestyle. That's all. Okay. All right. If you want a long boat, get a long boat. Let's let these people go. Get out of here. Bye-bye. We love you. Bye.